Hello, everybody, and welcome back. Um, sorry for the little hiatus there. I lost the internet for a good five weeks. So, you know, start a new season of a podcast and then completely fuck up and lose it and don't put another episode out for weeks. Um, but very happy to be back. Thank you for joining me today. And everyone, please welcome our wonderful special guest today. We have on the show Blaine Waterloo, who is my icon, my idol. Blaine is host of Ladies and Ligaments podcast. She is the editor of Fangoria and Hear Us Scream, which are like two monumental fucking powerhouse um, publications. And yeah, Blaine is an icon. Blaine, how are you doing today? I just feel like I could conquer the whole world after that introduction. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) I am officially your new hype person and... If anyone else wants those services, well, you can't have them because they're Blaine's <laughs> now. <laughs> Blaine, you've had an amazing, amazing year. Um, you were recently editing on Hear Us Scream Volume 2, which I was lucky enough to have a very uh, a graphically personal <laughs> essay published in. What was that like to, you know, have you, you got the chance to read all these amazing essays and, you know, obviously edit them. How How was that? Gosh, it was... It was really unnerving, honestly, because like you, like you did, I mean, people are sharing really vulnerable, deep parts of themselves that, you know, for a lot of people, for a lot of the writers, uh, they haven't shared before and nobody has read that Mm -hmm. before. And so going into it with the idea that you're not just reading people's words, you're reading their hearts and you have to handle Mm -hmm. it with as much care Um, and just, gosh, I had so much gratitude for the beauty in everyone's writing and how passionate they were. Like, you can, I used to be an editor on a newspaper and in an entertainment magazine that wasn't Fangoria, and the writing was work. I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. you could tell people were paid to write these things, and, you know, everybody's just trying to put content out there. But with Hear Us Scream, I mean... They're just the most beautiful people who volunteered to put their innards on the table for everybody else to see. And it's just humbling. It's truly humbling. And it is a great honor to have had a hand in helping those people realize um, their essays. Um, It's just beautiful topics, gorgeous, brilliant, talented people pouring their hearts out I could not be more proud um or more in awe I love when you can tell someone is so so passionate about it because I think that's the thing because obviously you also had an essay in the first volume of Hero Scream um and something that reading your essay and Hero Scream volume one in general was what made me want to um pitch for the second book because I was like you can just feel it's like holding, this sounds really weird and graphic, but it's like holding someone's heart in your hand. When you hold the, those those books and the, the new one, it's there's so much feeling in it. It's almost like palpable. Um, so yeah, like I, I can't imagine how it must have, because for me, writing my own one was like drained me for like days. I can't imagine the process there of just like really uh, digging deep and just... <laughs> How cringe did you feel just as a as a person <laughs> putting your feelings out there? Oh my god. Well, I I the thing is I I wrote it 
and I never read it again. Oh, and then the, the Rebecca McCallum, the amazing Rebecca McCallum, was editing mine. She would send the edits back. I would just be like, "Yeah, I trust you. Just, just take it and do it. I don't want to read it through ever again." Um, and I, I haven't read it. Um, I have received some very nice compliments from people, and obviously, I've read everyone's pieces, and they're amazing. I have not read my own one again. I might not. <laughs> That's so funny. You are basically all of those very posh, chic actresses who don't <laughs> watch their own work after they've done something. They're like, whatever, I'm done. But I'm done. Throw that out, out to the people. <laughs> so, Flay, we are talking about a film from 2022 today, which is kind of unusual for me because I usually tend to throw it back in time just a little bit on this podcast. But before we get into that film, this year has just been i don't know about you but this year has been like mind-blowingly good i've thought for horror we've had you know more than anything else i've been blown away by the original horror that we've had this year did you have any other favorites from this year apart from the one that we're going to talk about well, you know, we ate well this year as horror we fans. Did. Um, we feasted. There was so much di- discourse, which is a great uh, indicator of just how much content we have to bitch about. Um, so <laughs> I I love Barbarian. Uh, that was one I was really looking forward to and yes. just rocked my ass off. I wasn't expecting mm-hmm. it to be that good. I wasn't expecting much at all because I was so lucky to have gone in blind. Um, that was so much fun. Um Pearl is huge. I mean, mm-hmm. who wasn't taken with Pearl? Um, and, you know, maybe later we can talk a little bit more about it. But mm. in general, oh my gosh, can we talk about Halloween Ends? Oh, fuck <laughs> me up. I love that fucking movie <laughs> like so it? much. I loved it. Did you? I can't remember. Were you one of the ones who was like, I can't? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I just thought it was it was a movie. Um, yeah. <laughs> I know. I, it's funny because I'm wearing the Halloween shirt right now. So you, you would be forgiven to think that I'm a Halloween super fan. I, I actually just, I have seen the first one. I loved the first one, the original and the third one. Mm-hmm. And then the new trilogy, I thought the first one was really good. The second one kills. Everyone hated kills, right? That was the one that people were pissed off about. Yeah. Um, but then ends. I was just like, this is a movie that people have feelings about. Like, I could not believe the anger and the vitriol. And I don't think it deserved any of that at all. No, it was all ramped up from the other two movies. And people who were really pissed off about Halloween Kills already decided they they were going to hate ends. And mm-hmm. it's just a lot of, what is it, fandom. Just fandom oh, being yeah. toxic. But yeah. how can fandom be toxic? <laughs> all right. <laughs> how, can, how can people on Twitter, why would people on Twitter be mean? <laughs> that would never, that would never happen. Yeah, I, I, I was surprised when I watched it because the way people have been talking about it, I was like, this is going to be an absolute hot, disgusting mess. I can't wait. And I was more just like, hmm, yeah, that was a film. It's <laughs> a film that I saw, and I was just happy to see fucking Jamie Lee Curtis on screen because I could watch, you know, I could watch Laurie oh. do anything, and and there was it was kind of it was kind of gay as well. Like there was a oh. this weird homoerotic thing with um what was his name Corey yeah and my and Miss Michael like I know was I was <laughs> rooting for them. I was like okay, no, it was go ahead. Yeah, there was a moment in the tunnel where Michael had like a little like. <gasps> like moment I, uh, from there on again i was like i can't hate this movie um i didn't love it it wasn't my favorite of the year but i'm glad you loved it that's cool <laughs> thank 
you. I'm glad we can be happy for each other. What about you? What were some standouts from 2022? Because I know our tastes um, intersect, but they're also a little bit more on uh, different ends. I obviously was this year's resident men defender. Yes, you were. And we're all grateful (laughs) for you. (laughs) Me and a couple of other people held down that fort. Um, I also really liked... Oh, Incantation, Kevin Cohn, oh the oh, Taiwanese found footage movie. Um, I am going to do a best of episode on this podcast, so I'm not going. I'm not going to say too much, but that and the sadness, which was the other Taiwanese really great movie that came out this year. Um, it's just been a lot, and like I, yeah, it's kinds. really hard to think about. Like I, I posted on Hive, like R.I.P. Hive already, but. <laughs> I, <laughs> She's gone. <laughs> I I posted on Hive like I completely forgot that Scream Five came out this year. Um, yeah, that was like in January, right? I mean, that's 2022. We honestly we feasted this year. I can't complain about the offerings. Um, I mean, if there was a uh, you know a couple quote unquote bad ones in the bunch, it was simply because they weren't just fucking bonkers like the rest. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I, so I completely fun. agree i still haven't seen um a wounded fawn oh my goodness i still haven't seen um nanny and a couple of other things i still haven't seen i just don't know if i'm gonna have the time blaine your ffo that you gave me mm-hmm. was three fantastic words bawdy feminist and gore which oh love that so why these words why are you why are you vibing with these three so I love the swears um, and I just love um, <laughs> body behavior in general. I, I need, you know, and we'll get into sanitization later, but I need swear words. I need, mm-hmm. you know, euphemisms. I, I need to speak to, I need to see people speaking the way I speak, which is yes. just yeah. like an awful <laughs> journalist in the seediest newsroom. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I need the feminism too, because, you know, bad bitches get it done. Um and I'm tired of seeing just men do everything. Um, and gore. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I live for practical effects. So I didn't want something CGI or, you know, you know, talk about CGI effects. Oh, my God. Scream 5 mm-hmm. drove me fucking nuts with that. But oh um, in this mm-hmm. film that we're talking about, there's beautiful, gorgeous practical effects. Um, gore, as in gorgeous. And it's just, I mean, not just the blood, but the makeup, the craft of it all. I mean, oh, God, Amber, I'm so, so excited. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. So there was, there was a couple of films that came to my mind when you said this, but it was actually, it was, you gave me the FFO and then I, I was like thinking about it. And then I went on Instagram and you had shared, I think it was in your story or maybe just a post, you had shared um, a screen grab from this movie. So I was like, that's it serendipity baby yeah so today on the episode we are going to be talking about ty west's 2022 sweaty southern gothic horny gorgeous sexy x little whore women don't just lie to me time to turn our backs on sin and make I'm nothing like you. You're kidnapping, murdering, sex fiends. I'm a fucking star. The whole world is gonna know my name. I will not accept a life I do not deserve. I do 
I'm going to, I hope everyone has seen X. It did come out this year. And I, as far as I know, it is available to stream on Amazon uh, in the UK, at least. In the US, it's probably everywhere. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know anyone who hasn't seen it, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but just in case anyone hasn't, I'll do a quick uh, plot synopsis. X follows a group of filmmakers in Texas who have rented a farmhouse from an elderly couple named Howard and Pearl. Unknown to the couple at first, the group, including producer Wayne and main actress uh, Maxine, intend to shoot a pornographic film. Um, the elderly lady Pearl becomes upset by the young people when they refuse her advances and, in her mind, flaunt uh, their youth and sexuality in front of her. Um, in a jealous rage over the course of the night, Pearl and Howard kill off the group one by one except for Maxine, who Pearl is drawn to because she's quote-unquote something special. Uh, the night ends with Howard dying of a heart attack <laughs> um, and Maxine running over the uh, old lady Pearl, killing her and leaving the farm. As the police officers clean up the carnage from the night, a preacher on the television shows a photo of his daughter that he lost to a sinful life and it's Miss Maxine. Let's start, first of all, with this cast because what a cast like so, so first of all we it's so hot everyone's <laughs> film is sexy i mean everyone and i mean everyone yeah <laughs> we'll get into that everyone is sexy first of all we have the amazing mia goth um who i do want to get into a little bit more later because she has kind of had this um renaissance recently um mia goth playing a double role as maxine minx and pearl we have Brittany Snow as Bobby Lynn, who oh, I queen just absolutely. If if not Mia Goth, then Brittany Snow deserves absolutely everything for this movie. She is so so good in this movie. She's like the perfect blend of of sexy, smutty, cheeky, um, but and full of heart, like and with that southern sophisticality. Yes, know? absolutely. Yes, and. You know, so there's something about her. she. She has it all. I mean, obviously, all the girls in this they do have the X factor. But if I if I was gonna watch a porn movie, I'd probably watch Bobby Lynn's. Um, yeah, she definitely encapsulates the time, especially you know, smut magazines and porn of the time. She is the teased up blonde with the beautiful tan and tits, and absolutely. yeah, absolutely yes. Because this film is set in '79, I believe. Um, yeah. Definitely late 70s, early 80s. So it's right on that cusp b before like 80s horny style hit. Like you said, like the big hair and the tan. Um, we, we, we don't see a lot of bush in this movie. Actually, we don't see any bush, which is, which is my, one, my one gripe with this movie. There's not enough genitals. Yeah, I agree. I mean, for <laughs> as many, there are two, the genitals to people ratio, it was just too, too few. You know, it was way too off. I just want to hang out with these guys, like, right. constantly. But it kind it of just... also lends itself to the idea, you know, um, having been raised in a more conservative area and by more conservative people, those people were demonized growing up, you know? Like, all they care about is themselves, and they're so selfish, and they'll, you know, hurt you and everybody else. And it turns out they're just genuinely people just trying to do their best <laughs> like like and they're exactly. going to have warm personalities they're going yeah. to be generous because they mm -hmm. want you know to be generous or in, and all that like the whole idea that because they're making um a, a smutty movie means they're bad people and yes, I think, yes, yes. yeah that's something we can get into and i love just the juxtaposition of 
the generation Pearl is a part of versus those of the uh, filmmakers. It's just a lot to, oh, I could think about it all day. And you're never, you're never meant to, um, like you said, demonize or you're never, there's never a moment in this film where you're meant to think, oh, this gang are, I mean, I don't think anyone would. I mean, who's watching a horror film about a porn film <laughs> as a conservative in 2022? I don't think it's happening. But you, you never, you never are positioned opposite them. You, like, like you said, they're just people. Um, they're just right. people doing a job and that job happens to be fucking each other. You know, fair play to them. Good and they them. do it well. They do it very well. They do it very well. Um, so then we have our crew. We have Wayne Gilroy, the producer, played by Martin Henderson, who I I fucking love Wayne. I have to say. He does such a great job. Oh, he's so good. <laughs> and he's got that like father figure too, you know, like coaxing the young people and coming out in his little his little tidy whitey. So I love him. And he has my favorite line in this whole movie, which is, feel how hard my cock is, man. (laughs) I love your Southern accent so much. I love (laughs) listening to your, you do your Southern accent on Fangbangers. That sends me, oh my God. (laughs) Well, the thing about Fangbangers is because I'm usually doing a Bill Compton impression and Bill is English. Like the actor, Stephen Moyer, who plays Bill is English. So I feel like all English people would just have this one note southern accent that we can do and that's it i don't think i'm very good at it but thank you very much um we also have the uh lorraine our sound girl played by jenna ortega who is also this year has been the moment i know of all of the movies she's done this year it's weird that x kind of feels like one of her softer like less like less played up movies um and it might might be due to her character but yeah it's so funny because I was watching this with my partner who his first time watching it and he he looked at her he said oh my god that girl really looks like Wednesday Adams and I was like well she is Wednesday and he was like what do you mean and I had to like show him I was like she just got cast as Wednesday and he was like I had no idea he just thought she looked like Wednesday Adams so you know the power of good casting um Lorraine is great. Lorraine is a little at first a little uh, a little judgy, um, to be honest. She can't she can't differentiate, you know, why how you don't have sex with other people if you you know, if you're meant to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And you know, that she's a young person growing up at a conservative time. Um, but she very quickly gets over that, uh, when she sees Mr. Jackson Hall and <laughs> <laughs> what he can do. Um, and her her wanting to be in the film is obviously a point of contention with her boyfriend, um, RJ, who is played by Owen Campbell. Now, I was convinced for a good first one and a half watches that he that Owen Campbell was the is the guy from the Evil Dead remake. Um, <gasps> yeah. Oh my gosh, the guy the actual bad guy in the movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The one who reads who reads um the Dead Eye book. Fucking Latin, yeah. Yeah, 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 but he's he's not him. Um, they just that's look very similar. Good, sim- yeah, that's a good comparison, though. Absolutely, and he does a great job of making me want to smack him. Um, yes. in this movie, he the way he cries in that shower. Oh <laughs> my god! <laughs> oh my god! I know, I know, and he's. I mean, obviously, he's. We're not. Well, I'm not going to be expe- expecting like decent liberal politics from a guy growing up there. But just like the way he's like, she's a good girl. She can't do that. And like Wayne is like, what do you mean? Like, what are you trying to get at? Like, yeah, RJ, fuck off. I right. hate oh. RJ. <laughs> you know, 
RJ brings, I think, our first, well, maybe not our first dose, but this film is just lousy with hypocrisy back and forth between characters, um, both within the filmmaking crew and, you know, of course, between um, Pearl and Howard. But it's just really interesting, even from the very get, like the people in the um, in the gas station leering at Maxine while they're playing like the gospel on the TV and everything like that. Well, it's just uh, I love it. Ty West is so great at directing you to look at one thing while subtly displaying another. Um, it's just I, I, I love all of his movies so much. And this is just a great example of his talent. Absolutely. And I completely what you just said about hypocrisy. It got me thinking, obviously, throughout X runs this very like you said, the people leering at Maxine. I mean, how relevant is that still today? We're still getting, you know, homophobic and transphobic fucking politicians out there. And it comes out like that they're, you know, they're, they're fetishizing queer people right. because because that they can't, they cannot handle their sexual urges. And if, you know, if these people just lent into them and were just like free and open, they'd be chill. It'd be absolutely absolutely. there'd be no horror movie but still everything would be really chill <laughs> exactly exactly we'd have a really nice time all of us <laughs> so that kind of brings me on to our next topic that i wanted to talk about um which is sex in horror well not just in horror but in cinema in general um so i was talking uh, to our both of our dear friend um bell morrigan about this on their fishness and philosophy podcast and we kind of both agree that there's been this weird shift there's been some kind of shift towards a, a sanitization that's expected from horror and i'm in no way suggesting that everyone you know has to be into smart or films with hot with sex and you know graphic sex and graphic gore and whatever but there seems to have come up recently this 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 like shaming discourse about sex in films even existing um and i was just wondering what what do you think do you think sex in or horror has become more sanitized oh my gosh i mean i think yes right off the bat yes horror has become a lot more sanitized where sex is concerned um but i do think that it is closely linked to the me too movement honestly um mm. i think we've got a lot of filmmakers who are pretty nervous about making anything having to do with sex and feeling like oh gosh like something's gonna come back or you can't trust uh people on your crew and you're not gonna risk it so i think there are some feasible uh connections there but in general i do think that especially now during this time of duress and you know, we've learned in history um, that during times of great upheaval and, um, you know, moral unrest across the world, we turn to film, we turn to horror, mm -hmm. and we, um, you know, focus more on things that are more fantastical. So I think it's interesting that as all of this is happening, as we are going through a pandemic and all of the worst people are in power, um, that you know, more people are watching horror. So you're going to want more people to engage with it. And you can't show as much sex if you want to do that. So I think there are a bunch of different factors uh, around it. But I mean, especially if you're comparing movies of 2022 to movies of, say, like 1982, <laughs> it's just absolutely out of this mm -hmm. world. But you also hear a lot of horror stories from 1982 about trying to make any movie, regardless of whether or not it had sex in it. So 
I do think um, a lot of what we're seeing in terms of censorship when it comes to sex can be pointed to the (laughs) the men in power who have too much to do or too much power and don't know how to wield it properly um Mm -hmm. and i think it all comes down to yeah not letting the right people make the good stuff Oh, I complete. I completely agree. I love what you're saying there, especially about the '80s, because yeah, we had you know the '80s. The horror was was pretty graphic, but you do hear a lot of exploitation from that time and people on set being assaulted and abused. And you know, I don't, I don't want to say I want to choose either, but if I have to choose, I'd rather my my people are, are safe on set and not being abused. Um, but it's it's funny because when I was when I was watching X, I was like, wow, this film is filthy. And it is in a way, but it, it's only filthy because like, it's the only film I'd seen this year that had a sex scene. <laughs> like, right. Gosh. Well, yeah. I mean, and if you're honest, like, is it the first, you know, movie you've seen in a while that's had that graphic of sex in it? Or is it the first movie in a while where you were shown a sex scene that you felt you weren't supposed to be watching? Mm-hmm. Um, like, I mean, and, and I think we, I don't know if we're ready to get into that, but the, the sex between Pearl and Howard, um, you know, I, I remember watching it in the theater and getting a lot of ewes and woes and just uggs, but you didn't get that with uh, Kid Cudi and Britney Snow. Um, you didn't even get that when Britney Snow was wiping cum off her back, like, <laughs> but you got that when two elderly people were having like consensual sex, like one hundred percent. Yeah, again, it just goes along with the hypocrisy, and you know we can get into ageism there too if you'd like, but it's it's a lot. Um, yeah, it's a lot, but <laughs> I do I want to see more fantastical, more raunchy more you know i want more genitals <laughs> i yes. want to see i want to see everything but i want everybody to feel safe doing that and it's a shame that we can't have both right now apparently i know yeah it it, it does suck kind of yeah like like i said seeing come in a film felt so i was like maybe i've become more prudish as well because i was like <laughs> Oh my god! I can't believe the theme in this movie. <laughs> and like for, to me, I was like, "Yes, I love it." Immediately, I'm sold on this movie because it had a cum shot in it. But but like, it's just a bit of cum. It's just right, though. <laughs> it's just a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think horror and sex. To me, horror and sex are so, and it's especially queer sex kinky sex subversive sex sex that doesn't meet the white cis heteronormative standard that and horror hand in hand because this is a genre where you're allowed to explore that and you're allowed to explore those desires no matter how weird and wonderful they are and yeah i could i could stand a little more smart in my horror it seems a shame that we're kind of losing that because like you said a lot of people are worried about how it's going to come across and you know how how is this scene meant to be read um and you know one of my solutions to that is get more women get more queer filmmakers get more filmmakers of color doing it because you know if if it's at the end of the day if it's a cis hetero white man doing it we we've seen all those sex scenes before we've seen that the sex scenes from that perspective i want to see other people's perspective and the conversation usually comes back to opening the doors of horror and like it should do i think 
Yeah, well, and God, God forbid anybody open any doors in horror like that. We should experience Two doors. anything. You know, God, just just keep it with the slashers. Just keep it with the slashers and the knives <laughs> and the masks. Oh, mate, don't. You know, I, I say that I am wearing a Halloween shirt at the moment. The first one, you know, you know my feelings on slashers, and that's another reason. Tiny tangent. That's another reason why I love this year so much because the people were wild about the originals and the the this franchise slash has kind of fell to the lay wire uh, lay lay by i know we talked a bit about halloween it ends in scream 5 but like the new texas chainsaw massacre as well which was oh god in my, in my opinion not the best um <laughs> but yeah lots of most te- <laughs> <laughs> lots of texas chainsaw in this film actually as well um i think that's you know the mo- biggest and most obvious homage um that you can see in most of the shots any other homages or influences that you can see in this film because there was there was one that i saw that i didn't clock before and it's that there's kind of a lot of true detective in um this and i don't know if it's just the southern gothic um kind of think of woody harrelson yeah 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 yeah, which you know could be is standard to pretty much any southern gothic but (laughs) sex religion repression it, it was all kind of there is there anything else that you spotted in there I'm so glad you spotted the true detective bit because now I need to rewatch it through that lens. Um, and I feel like it would just be so much fun. Um, I did catch, simply because there's an alligator in there, I caught some gator bait in there between Maxine and uh, the gator. Um, I love that cute little chase scene where the, like, you oh could hear Jaws God. like as yes, it was happening. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah. definitely some Jaws there. I mean, the you can't eat there it's really hard to ignore the texas chainsaw massacre um end of that because i don't know what it is but something about a dirty white house like and blood everywhere is so sexy to me <laughs> I it's love it hot so <laughs> <laughs> but okay so i wanted to ask you actually um in terms of sex and horror where does this hit for you I I think right okay so my opinion is it's not as smutty as I would love it to be but it's the smuttiest thing we've had this year and for that it it hits hard um if we are on this kind of more sanitized side of things I'm glad that X I'm glad that it went there um and I'm glad that it shows sex in a positive light not just in a like how can I phrase this? Not just in a like male fantasy positive light, but an actual positive light. These are people doing a job. Um, they're in love with their partners. Their partners are not the people they have sex with on screen. And I think it was really refreshing to show that side of sex work, not not demonize it or glamorize it. Just sh- show it simply as a job, which it is. No, that's um, a great point. It, it is a job and it's one that they love as opposed yeah. to the folks uh, living in the house who hate everything. <laughs> right. And, and why do they hate everything? Partly because they're not fucking and they're annoyed at people who are fucking. Um, which brings me very nicely on to our next point is um, ageism and more specifically hagsploitation because... I saw a lot of people, the, the people I did see who didn't like this movie, their their main point of contention was that they, they felt it was ageist and that it presented elderly people as repulsive or scary. And 
that has happened in horror a lot, especially the, the aging female body has been used as something to fear, you know, something to be repulsed by and like a warning, like young girls, this is what's going to happen to you if you live this way. <laughs> but I, I don't think X is ageist. I really don't. How about you? I don't either. I don't think it's ageist. Honestly, I think it is a mirror to everybody, like to the viewers' ageism. Like uh, case in point, the um, Pearl and Howard sex scene mm -hmm. um, that you know was more jarring to a lot of people in the theater with me than you know some of the other sex scenes or some of the more jarring uh, images. Um, I I don't think that this film is necessarily ageist i would make an argument for some sexism um because you know of course a lot of these relationships are well all of their relationships are hetero um and the women are still subservient and whatnot yeah um oh yeah jenna ortega or i'm sorry uh lorraine was punished for wanting to be in a film um and yeah i i think I don't know that it's really a task to point out all of the uh, sexisms, but yeah, I think in terms of pag exploitation too, I just didn't get that from this movie. Um, I, yeah, I I think we were meant to sympathize more with the with Pearl and Howard to an extent because there was so much of it that you could see through their mm -hmm. eyes, and I thought mm -hmm. that was really artfully done. But not to get us too far off topic. Well, I completely agree with you with what you say about the mirror because the sex, scene, the sex scene between Howard and Pearl, there is a sex scene between two elderly people, but it's not played funny. It's not played for last. There's no like, like weird music. The, the music is the same sexy or like tense music that's been throughout. It's literally, and you know, it's not played like exploitatively it's a missionary sex between two people that's literally all it is it's the audience's reaction that's really telling um because same as you i saw it in the cinema and the minute howard and powell started having sex people were like oh my god that's yeah. disgusting i was like why 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 is it disgusting because we this is we conditioned to think of old people's bodies as repulsive but there was ty west never said that he never he presented a naked elderly body if you think it's repulsive, that's on you, baby. <laughs> like, that's your problem. Um, but for, for me, someone who I... So I have body dysmorphia and something that frightens me quite a lot is, is aging. Um, not because I find elderly bodies sickening or repulsive, but for, for me, it's like the change in my body is quite hard to come to terms with. So... I have struggled in the past with, you know, getting a couple of wrinkles up here. <laughs> you know, it's nothing compared to what's coming. But it has. It has um, it has gotten to me in the past. So for me, parts of this film are really heartbreaking. Um, and I don't think it's ageist to present age as something that happens and something that you can feel when you get to a certain point in life you can feel regrets that this the split scene when bobby lynn is singing landslide and pearl is getting ready for bed that really hit me that hit oh my me God, really I, like, hard teared up and everything I yes like, oh, yeah, yeah yeah i know because it's it's like pearl's frail fragile body juxtaposed you know with with these young people partying and you know they're getting ready for a night they've had a day full of banging um, they're all <laughs> sitting around they're smoking they're partying and she's you know going to bed and it's probably 
what, 8 p.m.? <laughs> yeah, and she's not, <laughs> she's not invited to that party. Um, and that's what really, really hurt me about this film is that it does, it doesn't present age as the, the bad thing. It presents regret as mm-hmm. the bad thing. When you watch it in tandem with Pearl, it oh my God. on yeah, another I mean, fucking <laughs> level. Girl, I mean, with that knowledge in mind, with, with having seen Pearl, it was interesting to go back to this movie, to X, and I, at first I had to go and look at what all the generations were named, but it was a, <laughs> when looking at this film, it's a good um, reminder of kind of the dichotomy between the two generations presented. So Howard and Pearl um, were, had to live through the Depression, um, are from what I want to say the silent generation. And they, you know, had to support their families through the war. And they didn't, like we saw in Pearl, they didn't have extracurriculars. Uh, oftentimes, their entire lives revolved around their family and, and doing things to uh, keep up, basically. And then you have what are the boomers, which is hilarious to think about, um, are the more progressive ones. <laughs> what happened to them, know, eh? I know. Like, have more sex, please. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> they are the ones who had to put up with all of the rules that the, uh, you know, the generation or the silent generation put on them. And now they're breaking free from them. And, you know, they are doing their best to not live with the regrets that the silent generation has placed on them um, to remedy. So, yeah, you see a lot of regrets um, and just projection onto the filmmakers. It It was just really interesting to kind of have that aha moment of oh okay so just like they're not prudes they're just jealous (laughs) yes yeah 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 absolutely and I think watching it in tandem with Pearl changes the entire I mean obviously you can watch X on its own everyone did when it first came out and you know we were like oh it's a it's a a kind of side of slasher where the this the slasher the killer is an elderly woman why we don't know she just you know she hates people banging you know, in Pearl, we see Mia Goth again, her third performance in this franchise, another amazing one. She is this young girl with all these dreams, all these hopes, all this beauty, all this life. And over the course of the film, she loses it all. And the end, as as X changes with Pearl, also Pearl changes with X because the end of Pearl is already fucking dreadfully sad. But when you... Th- think of the future of x it becomes 10 times sadder because she never left this farm she never she all she wanted was to get off this farm and she never ever did and then all she wanted was to get dicked down by howard and <laughs> howard fell short and it's um, taken howard 30 years <laughs> to step up to the and poor fucking howard too howard lived through two wars he's you know no spoilers for pearl but he's dealt with some shit he's come home to some shit in pearl and now his wife's presumably doing it again because also something that we see in X is a man tied up in the basement, a naked man tied up in the basement who... Now, quickly, I just mm. side note, I want to get your opinion. What was this man here for? Do we think he was a sex slave? Because there was quite a shot on his... Mm. Well, there was genitals in this movie, actually. Yeah. Dead, dead <laughs> good, ones, good catch. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> what, do you think, what do you think was that, uh, that poor gentleman's fate? I feel like that... Uh, Poor gentleman was probably um oh gosh what is what are the people who go door to door um 
the the Bible like a, like a missionary yeah like a, he was like a, a missionary yeah. going door uh-huh. to door and um Pearl was home alone and she needed some company um and then by the time Howard got home she had already ripped his shit off so <laughs> I feel like that's probably what happened I what do you think well I I don't know at first I thought I thought Pearl obviously has you know because she she doesn't just she picks off the victims and then she seems to choose one um so obviously she wanted maxine alive now what she wanted maxine for we never get to find out but we can probably kind of insinuate that she has been keeping someone alive in the basement and it was the close-up of the genitals that made me think this man has been um, horrifically abused by Pearl. But then I thought, well, Pearl is really very frail. Would she have been able to? I don't know. It's, it's maybe yeah, we'll learn more about that Because man. when we see her shoot that shotgun and the way it just like flies her through the front door, I don't know how much she's capable of. However, we did see that, that, um, that hay pick or that poke. Whatever yes. I'm not yeah, a yeah, yeah. The, the hoe. Isn't that hoe? No, it's not is a hoe. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know what a hoe is. I'm not a farmer. <laughs> but yeah, she she kills someone with a farm thing. And um so that took some force. Um let's talk very quickly about um Mia Goth in this film and her double performance because obviously Mia Goth plays Maxine, she plays Pearl and she plays um Pearl in this film as well, the aged Pearl. I sincerely did not clock i didn't clock in my first viewing i walked out of that cinema and i was like what a good movie mia goth played a great role just the single (laughs) one and then it went on twitter and everyone was like oh no it's the same person i was like what the hell so shout out to sarah rubano rubano sorry who apparently it was it was 30 individual prosthetic appliances oh my god yeah. That's gorgeous. What a wonderful I job. Uh, I didn't, uh, I had an inkling throughout. I was like, that doesn't look like, like a real, like, older person. Um, it looked too waxy to me. But, and I was like, wouldn't it be cool if Mia Goth did? And I I was watching it with Phil Nobile um, in the theater. And that man waited the entire time until the end credits. And he's like, so do you, do you notice? Did you see who played Pearl? And I was like... No, who wasn't? He goes, Mia Goth. I was like, God damn it. Oh, <laughs> Phil, known. you joker. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was really cool. Although I was disappointed that Martin Henderson didn't also play Howard. Um, I really would have loved for that to be the same. But Stephen Yuri did a great job as Howard. He did a really good job. And I think he he is elderly. Well, he's, he's not elderly. He's 60. You know. Yeah, he's not he, Howard he, old. No, he's not Howard old, but so he has some prosthetics too. But yeah, I think Howard doesn't get enough um, attention because we're all focused on Pearl and rightfully so. But Howard, Howard is a loyal and loving man. Like <laughs> We should all be so lucky. We should all be so lucky to find a Howard. And listeners, if you haven't seen Pearl yet, you've got to give Howard some credit for Pearl because that man <laughs> puts up with some, with yeah. some shit. Um, I wanted to ask how you feel about, and this will touch on Pearl just a little bit, about the <laughs> the woman psycho versus the man psycho um, and how you f- feel both are represented um, after both X and Pearl came out. 
um, just for some reference. Um, so I recent I just got finished watching X a couple days ago, which is why I put that scene in my stories. Um, and what I noticed shortly after watching it was, of course, people were still talking on Twitter about Pearl, and they said something along the lines of, everyone knows a Pearl. And <laughs> I just clenched my little Arthur fist, and I was like, yeah, I bet everybody knows a Patrick Bateman, too. Like, I just so badly, it made me, <laughs> I guess, righteously angry, because, you know, I didn't hear anyone saying growing up, like, oh, he, everybody knows a Billy Loomis or, you know, right. everybody uh -huh. knows, you know, this so asshole. The crazy woman. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And yeah. the idea that not only is the crazy woman every crazy woman, but more often times than not, that crazy woman is based on women in the most vulnerable time in their lives. Yes. Like, oh my God. Thank you. It's yeah. not actually based on any break from reality or some severe mental illness. Many times, a lot of times these psychotic women are written based on people's wives. <laughs> like, yeah. That mm -hmm. they didn't like. I mean, if you want to talk, get really into that, you know, watch the brood um, and read. Oh up shit. On Cronenberg's hell. Yeah. Cronenberg. Come on. Like that's a oh. lot. Go to therapy, man. Come on. I hope you did. This just brought up a lot of latent anger in me having seen that, um, I guess narrative. Something that often bugs me with horror films um, and horror media in general is that women are never allowed to just be crazy. Like, not crazy, crazy is the wrong word. Women are never allowed to just be maniacs. Like, Patrick Bateman, why is he crazy? Who fucking knows? What's his backstory? Who knows? Does he have trauma? Who knows? Did a girl break his heart? Who knows? He just gets to be a psycho and people just accept it. If you put a woman in your film who's going to go on a murderous rampage she has to have had her heart broken she has to have been bullied she has to have been raped she has to have been assaulted she has to be this 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 this, this. she's never allowed to just be fucking crazy and I, I was trying to think of other you know uh movies that would have done the same thing even something as campy as serial mom you know, she, it's because <laughs> she's that, a I'll take mom. your word for it. Like, <laughs> it's, it's just women are, women be bitching is, is the thing. Mm -hmm. um, we just oh, don't and stop like, Yeah, no, for, for real. And I think, I think a lot of people took from Pearl, like, it's funny because I see like two different reactions to Pearl. Women see Pearl and they think, oh my God, I empathize with her so much. And I feel terrible for her. Like the ending of Pearl is tragic, like painfully hard to watch. And I think a lot of men saw it, and like you said, well, like, everyone knows this girl, and everyone, oh, watch out, lads, you know, ooh, don't, don't break up with the wrong girl. And I wonder, you know, if the male run, this is going to get way too feminist for a lot of people's taste, but I wonder if... Oh, they if, can fuck like, off. <laughs> I wonder if, the, like, the patriarchal filmmaking society as a whole, like, does that <laughs> to women. Like, it, it has to. I, I just, yeah, I get really, I get passionate about well, women's affairs good. how they're treated. Good, good. And I, I think, you know, it's, I think it, for a lot of films directed by men, I do, I do think Ty West does, writes a good female character. Um, I don't think every horror filmmaker who's a man does, I'm not going to name any, um, but I, I do think that he does. I do think that he is sympathetic and understanding of the 
you know the female experience um i wasn't a huge fan of the innkeepers but the innkeepers also had um from what i remember a pretty cool female character so i, th- I think yeah. ty west is a he's a good guy and everyone's attacking him on on twitter because of the stupid list of films that he made oh my god i completely oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay can we talk about film twitter because <laughs> you want to toxic fandoms film twitter as a whole like i oh the other day i was just talking about how ex like ecstatic i am to be nobody on the internet so that like <laughs> trolls don't come after me i don't have to deal with any of that but uh-huh. i have never been so happy to just be on the outskirts of film twitter so that i have mm-hmm. only seen that stupid list like yeah. 1800 times as mm-hmm. opposed to it just being my entire feed and I, I don't understand I've, I've seen a lot of your points are very good on it too and i maybe end up regurgitating them but the whole idea that you can't name some of the most prolific well-praised movies in history as the most influential movies to your uh you know collection is just ridiculous i mean of course it's going to have impacted you it impacted everyone that's why it's popular and the idea that it has to every time someone lists movies or something they all have to be these obscure things and nobody's heard of just so that they can say they saw it first Ugh, fuck off the whole thing so i wanted to bring the mood a little slower for this next point so the thing we've talked we've touched on this a bit briefly but x's biggest theme to me is is not the specter of age that is scary it's it's about repression and living without regrets and you know age does come with that when i watched this movie for the rewatch there were two things that stuck out to me one uh, the crocodile uh, the alligator scene which i love which also scares the shit out of me because i'm terrified of like creatures in the city not in the sea in the water um, right Ugh. oh nightmare but it's it's like the the inevitable threat of age like coming so very well slowly um and, and me uh, pearl does uh, maxine does escape it in this instance but she won't forever um and then a phrase came to mind now full disclosure i first heard this phrase in the film 1408 starring john cusack <laughs> so wow, that's a blast Jackson. from the past Jesus. i know right it's definitely not from this film i'm sure it's like a phrase it's probably in latin or something um but it's as you are i was as i am you will be and that phrase has always hit me kind of hard um especially as someone who in my day job i work around young people and I've never felt older in my life. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) The shit they talk about and, like, reference and their slang and their words, I feel like a thousand years old. Um, And, yeah, it got got me thinking when I watched this film, I think the main thing to take away is that you shouldn't live with, with these limits and other people's expectations on you because else you will sadly end up like pearl not end up like her because she's old but end up like her because she didn't get to live the life she wanted no i think that's a great point um i like i like how we are meant to empathize with pearl because of the regrets that we see um and the way she takes it out on others um i think we're meant to empathize with her there and then you know if For those who haven't seen Pearl yet, I apologize. I won't give it too much away. But, you know, in Pearl, we're meant to see the why. 
but also see the why, but also see where we could have done differently. You know, we, um, because while regret is a big part of X, I think the understanding that we're not stuck even when we think we are is a little bit more present in Pearl. Um, yeah, I, I, I just thought that was interesting, an interesting play on regret. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what Maxine does with that. Um, and just how it furthers the evolution of this character and the idea of time itself, because you're right. I mean, for me, time is absolutely horrifying. Like I, I, there was, I think there was like a two month stretch, maybe even three months last year where I could not listen to that stupid Dr. Dog song. Um, like it Dr. just Dog? immediately, <laughs> Dr. Dog, just look See, at I'm Dr. So Dog, where did the time go? <laughs> I don't even no, know like, that. That's how old I am. You might be, it might be because you're young that you don't know Dr. Dog because I that's more so. of like the, <laughs> we're like the zenial, I guess. Um, Maybe it's an American thing. thing. Maybe I've not heard uh, of it because he's from the too. States. We'll say that. Let's go with that. <laughs> but I've been terrified of just like the artists that I've seen coming up and mm -hmm. like uh, putting out a lot of music that I haven't found and don't listen to. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I'm just like, I'm already losing the thread. Like, I, I don't know. I need to create my own happiness and make sure that I don't end up resenting young people at some point. That's a fabulous point because I do think another one of, of X's big points is that you the older you get you do end up you shouldn't but and you can you can stop yourself but the you know elderly people and older people hate young people and they end up taking shit out on them and they end up putting restrictions. i mean look at the world we're living in now the world is run by men in their 70s um and it's restricting young people's opportunities they're voting for shit that's not going to affect them you know, I, for, on a personal note, this country voted for Brexit. And, like, oh the majority God. of people who voted for it were, like, in their 70s. And I'm not saying that people, th those people are dead, so they shouldn't get a chance. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? It's like it's like making choices for, for the younger generation. That's our responsibility. As that much as they piss us kind off. Of missing. Yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. And it comes, you know, a lot of it comes from jealousy, is that younger people are... Um, have more opportunities and they're seen as more attractive and they're not invisible. I think something that X really touches on as well is that older people are seen as invisible because there's a, there's a really sad, the first kill in X, well, the first kill that we see on screen is RJ. Pearl says, why won't you look at me? Um, when, you know, she's she's coming on to him. He's not into it. But yeah, she says, why won't you look at me? And that really hurt me because I was like, well, yeah, because elderly people and especially older women the minute you hit 40 even you're you're gone you know oh, you're that's not such interesting. an interesting point yeah you're not interesting you're not fun to look at yeah so and it it may it points out that you know oh gosh if you're not fun to look at people feel like they shouldn't be looking at you at all yeah there's also mm -hmm. like this fear of staring you know yeah stare at the older people so just don't mm -hmm. look at them at all um yep. and so you really nowhere in there is there respect for people who are different from you <laughs> oh not at um, all and i think you know again coming back to ty west really did a beautiful job of just highlighting the hypocrisy 
while making you look at the murder <laughs> and yes. it was yeah and ju- I just I, love him so much no me too and it's great I I love I one of the reasons I love X is because I you know I felt for Pound no one's looking at her no one's listening to her so fucking make them listen and look by <laughs> killing them <laughs> obviously we're not ever going to take it that far but sometimes you, when you do feel invisible like that and as as a woman who is in my in my 30s I'm still uh, I haven't been put out to pasture just yet but <laughs> you know I can already you can already feel it the way this society talks about young girls and young women is absolutely disgusting in the way that you know women in their 20s are fetishized as being the prime and then once you're over that you're dead you're over the under the hill so yeah I can already feel this kind of thing building up where I'm like look listen to me look at me I'm still I, I'm a person I'm not just a human body I'm not just a sex object I have things to say and yes. I'm still sexy and I'm still gonna be sexy um <laughs> oh hell so- yeah you are <laughs> thank you she says with tea dribbled down her front <laughs> I love it dribble for me baby um, <laughs> no there, it also you know brings up I'm someone who really enjoys seeing myself age I struggled a lot with, you know, suicide and suicidal thoughts growing up. And now that I can actually see what I look like on the other side and, and the life that I'm living, it fills me with joy, but it doesn't fill anybody else with joy. <laughs> so like, you know, yeah, I put on the serums to take care of the health of my face. I don't put them on to take anything away, but that's the goal that they're trying to sell us. And it's, I'm interested to see how that struggle ages, um, you know, as things progress, you know, as I die. <laughs> I love I love your point of view. I love the way you think of it because aging is a privilege. Like to to die young is one of the most horrific things that can happen. It's it's unnatural. It's not supposed to happen. Um so and but it does and it's tragic and it's horrible. To get old is really a privilege to see your body grow old because some people don't get that chance. You know, people are killed or they die of sickness way too young. Um, you know, we obviously we are conditioned to think it's bad and it's terrible and it's disgusting, and it's ugly, but it's not. A, an aging person just means that you've you've lived a life and you, right. you didn't and lose that life. Instead of ignoring, yeah, exactly. And instead of ignoring the people who have lived a life why not engage with them? I mean, there's a reason, you know, we make fun of that stereotypical old person who just wants to talk and talk and talk and sell the same stories over and over, but they're just so excited. Someone's fucking listening to them and looking at them in the eye. Um, so I, I, yeah, the, the part where Pearl is like, you know, why don't you look at me is absolutely heartbreaking. Um, and yeah, it just brings to light like, Oh God, uh, that's not going to be, I mean, that's going to be me before long, you know? Um, and I think that that's also a good nugget of why maybe more women empathize with Pearl. Absolutely, because we all we have also seen what she was and what she ended up becoming and what she never wanted to become. And I think it's kind of we all have that fear, you know, oh, God, I don't want to end up like my parents or it, we all do in a way. I mean. But we, you know, it's inevitable. Aging is inevitable. Ending up in some places is is inevitable. What doesn't have to be inevitable is the choices that you don't take and the life that you don't live because we should not accept a life we do not deserve. Let's talk very quickly about the future. So Ty West at the premiere of Pearl, I believe, at Toronto International Film Festival, he announced that the X 
franchise is going to be a trilogy with the third film focusing on Maxine, presumably after fact, after X. So do you have any ideas or guesses about where Maxine might go? I would love to see Maxine completely avoiding her past and Mm -hmm. trying to convince everybody that's not her or, you know, having to hide this identity or this part of herself from others to the point where she's willing to kill for it. I'm really pumped to see, um, I I guess my wish list, my one big item on my wish list is to see Maxine just go apeshit on someone. So I I think, I think it's got to be a cycle. It's got to be. It's got to be, you know, Maxine was, you know, had this youth where she was obviously repressed by this over-religious father. She escaped. She got to live the life she deserved. You know, she was sexually free. She wants to be a star. I don't think she's going to get to be a star. And I think she's going to go in the direction that Pearl did. Or she will see the pattern of Pearl and she'll break it and she will be a fucking star. Um, Either way, I'm excited. Um, As I like bleak and sad things, I kind of want a sad (laughs) ending. Um, But I I believe it's going to be set in L.A., in the 80s, which, you know, clears up my earlier question. I think it's probably going to be a sequel. I just, I want it to be about like the porn industry and I want her to, I want to see like titties and big hair and more of that oh, amazing blue eye shadow. Yes, and give bush. us dick, Ty West, give us bush. <laughs> um, I just think it's, I just think it's going to be fabulous. Like you can already tell with these two films, he's he's done something, he's made something special um, that's going to last. Like I really think in years to come, people will look at X and Pearl and probably Maxine as well and think like there's a fucking trilogy right there and i think people are going to call it their favorites in a few years as well i'm so excited for that i just want to say that you know we've consumed a lot of horror this year that touched on sexual assault um and a lot of you know domestic violence where uh, that's concerned um but in these two movies that came out by ty west um a cisette man Neither of them featured sexual assault, neither, and both were very centered on sex. Um, it was just so cool and encouraging and uh, just awesome to see and enjoy and to be able to enjoy. Um, there's a lot, I mean, we were talking about the, uh, I guess, censorship or sanitization of sex in horror. There's also been just a lot more emphasis on sexual assault and ways to depict that um and until there's that perfect recipe (laughs) of depicting that sort of trauma um it's just really cool to see people appreciate sex from a great standpoint as opposed to this traumatic standpoint and let the murdering do the trauma Blaine, this has been so, so much fun. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I've absolutely loved talking about X with you and I'm so glad that we got to do it before the year is out as well because it's still fresh. Absolutely. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I'm so glad we got to dissect the fuck out of this. <laughs> yes, I love it. Um, everybody, make sure you are following Blaine on Twitter at some hag in black and on Instagram, which is just hag in black. Make sure you are following Ladies and Ligaments on Twitter at Ladies Ligaments and subscribe to Ladies and Ligaments on Apple and Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. 
make sure that you find Hear Us Scream Volume 2 on Amazon, which Blaine was the amazing editor for. And you can check out my essay and fabulous essays from amazing people in the horror community. And also, of course, I can get your Fangoria subscription. Follow me everywhere at Hornblow Fire. Subscribe to my newsletter. And I will see you next time. Bye.